Take your Bible today and turn to the book of Proverbs, if you would, chapter 24. I'll be there in a few moments. So let me ask you to stand, and we'll get right to it. A very familiar text today, and one I have preached before in different ways, different applications, I should say. But this is such a visual illustration, and I think it will be a help to us. So Proverbs chapter 24, verse number 30. Proverbs 24, verse number 30. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. So this place is in a uh, disposition of disrepair. It's falling apart. And so this man, taking this walk, said this, Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it, and I received instruction. And here is what the wisdom he came away with. He said, Yet a little sleep, and a little slumber, and a little folding of the hands to sleep. Let me interject another word. A little neglect. A little neglect. Um, conversely, the lack of positive contribution the lack of positive input or deposit into the farm. He said, if you do that, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man, or as though you were robbed. Now, I just want you to listen to another text, and then I'll pray we'll be seated. In the book of Ephesians, God is unveiling some great theological truths, but then He begins to give some very practical information about relationships and, and our commitment to Christ and, and what we should, uh, how should respond. In verse 21 of the fourth chapter, he says this, If so be that you have heard of Him and have been taught by Him as the truth in Jesus, if, if you're a Christian, then this is what you should do. Going down to verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You're going to live with God one day. You need to act like that today. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another. Man, that's just Christian, isn't it? You know, we make it so convoluted. Be kind. Be nice. Be tender-hearted. And, and this is interesting. He said, be a better person. You know, he said, avoid the evils that you can be as a human. And then be a better person. And then he, like, he, he acknowledges necessity. But even though you try to be a better person, there's going to be occasion for you to exercise grace in your life. Because us people are dangerous. And so he says... And he says, forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Our Heavenly Father, I pray the next few moments as we look at this text, both in Ephesians and Proverbs, that, Lord, we would take these scriptural, biblical principles, Lord, understand them, see their truth, their dynamic, and then, Lord, have the grace and the faith to make application, to appropriate those in our lives in a real and meaningful way. And I ask for your help with that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. 
for standing. I felt like part of the, the retreat this week was asking uh, marriages to have enough grace to be resilient. Um, it would be great if all of us could really follow the instruction of Ephesians and we were all, if we were, were always kind, if we were always tenderhearted. If we, man, every time we caught ourselves thinking something evil, we refrained our tongue. If we held our tongue. If we didn't speak those words that failed to be edifying. That is a goal. That's something we should strive after. But the reality of life, we are fallen sinful humans. And because of that, we're not always going to be all that we should be. Yes, we should be growing in the image and likeness of Christ. And yet our humanity will probably be present with us until the day we go see Jesus. And then we can be conformed finally to His image and likeness. And so because these moments in our life are going to present themselves in an ugly way, you know, we need to have some resilience in our lives. We, we need to have some ability to absorb, to be a shock absorbers of some negativity and some difficulty. Like churches can't exist without being resilient. Um, and if we don't have some resiliency, some ability to, man, endure some really hard times and yet keep going, you know, maybe the Bible, Bible calls this uh, the characteristics of being persevering and long-suffering. You know, we don't display that in relationships and in institutions such as the church. Well, they're all going to unravel and come apart. And so we have to be graceful. We have to be resilient. We have to have this ability to kind of snap back after some difficulty. The idea of resiliency is defined as a capacity or quality to stand and or recover quickly from hardship. You know, uh, a shock absorber would be a resilient device. You know, we would love the, the fact if all the roads in Oklahoma were smooth, but as we know, they all are not. But we want the ride to be as smooth as possible so that we put shock absorbers on our car, and that is to mitigate the blows or the uneven spaces in, in, in the road so we don't feel those so badly. And God wants us to have some resiliency about our spirit and about our heart because it is a difficult planet to live on. And things can happen, and we need to have this quality. We apply that term to relationships. It is the process or ability to adapt and overcome difficult or challenging experiences and negative events, and then snap back to a better place once again. Resilient materials are tough. They are durable. They can take a beating without failing. You know, we want our clothes to have a measure of resiliency. Man, would we all to love have, to have a resilient bank account? In other words, one that can take a lot of deposits and yet always bounce back to where it was before. And, and they can, but you have to make ongoing deposits for it to be resilient. You know, I, I don't care how much money you have in an account. If the only way that you act towards it is withdrawal, then there's going to come a time and place when bad things happen. Um, we've all been there before. We probably all haven't. I've been here before when I was younger, when I failed to check the oil in my engine. And I let it fall to a place where I, I stopped making those regular three or four month deposits and like changing it. And then it went down in, in, into the red and it let me know in a very expensive way while I was going to college. Um, it required deposits and not just withdrawals to function properly. And so being resilient means to be tough, possessing the ability to rebound back after uh, you know, things have happened in our life. Now, for us as human beings, and especially Christians, there are two variables that make resiliency possible for us. And these are things, the first one especially, it's a unique resource that we have that the world does not. And, and this is why we should be more resilient than the lost world. This, this is a, a variable that allows us to be different. 
It's one that should make us salt and light in this world. And that variable is grace. It is grace. Grace is that enabling power, that gift of God that allows us to do things that we otherwise could not do. It is grace that allows us to be persevering. It is grace that allows us to be resilient. It is grace that allows us to apologize and to forgive and make bad relationships right once again. It's what allows us to, you know, to be stricken on one cheek and offer the other one, to, to take a coat and give the cloak, to go one mile and offer the second. That is grace. That is Christian. And that is something that we all should possess in our relationships. Now, the second variable here that makes us resilient is really available to anyone who would, uh, you know, apply the principle. And that is the principle of investment, of deposit. See, a relationship can be like a bank account. When it has more withdrawals than deposits, you know, it may not stay in, in the black like you want it to. And then we could be in a difficult position. But as long as the resources coming in are greater than the resources going out, we're probably going to be in a safe and resilient space. In other words, relationships cannot run dry of deposits. Now, this dynamic is part of the, live, of the way we live our Christian life. Um, we live in a sinful, fallen world. So, during the sabbatical, one of the things that I had to, opportunity to do more of that I probably should not have been doing is that I watched more of the news. You know, I, I was trying to get a little more aware, and I, I read a lot of articles from the Atlantic, and I'm watching various news channels. And I, want, I, I want to get a feel of what's happening in the world. Part of that is because of my obligation here from the pulpit to guard and protect you know, how we navigate this world. And wow, that's discouraging. It's just discouraging all the time. And then, of course, the slants and bends that they add to it just, just make it all the worse and, and more insulting. And, uh, you know, then you go about life. And um, I, I, I was going to go hunting one day. And so uh, a group of ladies was coming to the house. Terry was hosting um, a group of ladies from the 30s class, I think, right before we came back to sabbatical. And so I was just thinking, hey, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to take my truck. I had the trailer on the back of it and the side by side. I'm just going to drive over to Rachel's house and park it. I'm getting the first, you know, I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock the next morning and go hunting. And <laughs> so I, you know, it's three minutes away. I take it over there. In the sinful world family, there was a screw in the road. And so my trip did not go like I planned. So not only did I have to replace a the tire, I went up replacing all four tires, and that was a withdrawal from, you know, not just my spirit, but my checking account. And, but that's life, isn't it? That's life. I mean, every day it's sort of like that in some way. It's not being pessimistic. It's, I call it being a realist. That's part of life. Um, there are things in this world that, if, if it can, it will steal our vitality, our positive outlook, our strength. It'll try to diminish our grace. So what do we do in this world? Well, that's part of the reason, the, you know, Ephesians says, well, let's not contribute to that negativity. You know, let's, let's, you and I be more like the source of the Lord Jesus Christ, and let's speak edifying words. Let's be encouraging to one. That's why we come to church in part. You know, that's why we meet the way we do, man. The week's been the week, and we come in here, and we sing the praise like the choir sing today. I don't know about you, that, that's a deposit in my spirit. Kendra sings, and it reminds me that the Holy Spirit prays for me. That Jesus Christ is my advocate before the, the Father, the throne. Hey, that helps me to be to reminded of that stuff. I go to Sunday school and I'm in fellowship where I just enjoy the time. It's right, it's good, it's edifying, people are encouraging. We come in here, we enjoy each other. That is a necessary deposit in this evil world of withdrawals. We have to have it. 
We have to have it. We have to spend time in the Word of God. We, with, with all the negativity we hear, don't we need to overcome it with this? In time in here? If we're going to go through some difficult, don't, don't we need to spend some time on our knees and in prayer? Church becomes increasingly important as perilous times present themselves to us. How desperately we need to learn to appropriate the grace of God. And when we do, no matter what befalls us, we can always be Hooper Nike, overcomers more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, according to Philippians chapter 4. And that is true in all the dynamics of our life and all our relationships. When deposits exceed deficits, things tend to be okay. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Marital investment, relational investment. And you make whatever other application you want to, but keeping your accounts full. Much of marital advice is really good and necessary. Um, there's a lot of advice, there's therapy, there's counseling, but, but there's a tendency because of the dynamic I have described to focus on making things better, to fix what is broken, to, to really focus all the attention on the negative side. In other words, find a way to, to be what Ephesians says, don't do those things, be these things. And I, I think that's wonderful. There's advice on communication, be a better communicator. There's advice on how to fight because you're going to, so do, so do it more constructively. Uh, there's advice on how to express your hurts, and, and there's a right way to do that. And I think all that is exceedingly necessary and helpful. We as husbands and wives ought to give incredible effort to becoming better people, as Ephesians 4, 28-32 describes. But the inevitability of the necessity to forgive will always be ever-present. Isn't that encouraging? The inevitability of the necessity to always have a gracious spirit, you're going to always need to have that grace. It is a universal experience in life to be hurt, is it not? Who, don't raise your hands, who here has been hurt? Well, there's not a hand that's not going to go up. Okay? See, the, but, but here's the other side we don't often say. It is also a universal and ubiquitous experience to be the agency of hurt. Hey, I know you're nice people, but in some moments of um, weakness, we're, we, all of us can be porcupines more than we want to admit. And that's never going to go away. Now, that's not an excuse for poor behavior, but it is realizing that we need to have this need of being resilient grace-filled, and to make deposits. It's going to be a reason why forgiving is always going to be necessary and being kind. So much of the overcoming Christian life is building up our strength so we can be resilient when we need to be. It's partly, again, why we come to church, why we can cheerfully, resiliently endure and go through things. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 real quick. Let's do that together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this is, again, another familiar text. And the Apostle Paul here is acknowledging this principle of extraction, withdrawal, of the difficulty of life. Now, here's a man who has been given the task to be a light bearer of the gospel, to go around the world and share his faith. Much like the study we're doing on Sunday morning of Jeremiah and Sunday schools, here was a man who was asked to be a brazen wall, an iron pillar, if you will. He was called to be a punching bag. To, to really uh, have a lot of the, the blows of life and to be resilient in them. 
And Apostle Paul acknowledges this when he says in verse number 6 of that chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. What's my task? Well, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this is my calling. This is my task. Will it be easy and downhill and a, a, a road of rainbows and, and roses? No, not going to be like that, Paul. And this is what his experience was in verse number 8. Well, verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure, this task in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us, so that grace could be displayed in weak vessels. So when times are hard, your, your Christianity can actually manifest itself in real and meaningful ways. In other words, to show the world that grace is there. So he says this, We are troubled on every side. But not distressed. I'm not going to quit. We are perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted. Life's hard. Work's hard. Marriage is hard. But, it's, but not forsaken. Sometimes I feel cast down, but I, it's not going to destroy me. It, you know, it seems like I'm always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? The life of Jesus also made me manifest my body. In other words, when I, when I take these hardships, but Christ has displayed my attitude, man, there is glory that's going to God and to this world that they, they can see that. Or there's deficit, but I overcome it. Now look at verse 16. He says, For which cause, through all these difficulties, for which cause we faint not. You need this message, so I'm not quitting. But through, though our outward man perish, the inward man is, next word please, every day. What was the, what was the, what made Jeremiah the man he was. His Bible says that he started every single day before he spoke to man, he spoke to God. Before the withdrawals come, came, he made a great big deposit. Man, I got time with God, time with God, you know, uh, time with God. Okay, now, man, I, I have what I need in the account to go through this day in a grace-filled, helpful way. Minus that, time with God in the morning, well, we get a lot of our experiences in life and the way we go through life and the things that we quit back when our marriage partner says something, whatever. Man, our tank's not full. But Paul's tank was full. Jeremiah's tank was full. I want us to think about this when it comes to dynamic of relationships. See, in Proverbs 24, here we see the effects of entropy and decay brought forth by the absence of positive contribution. Everything in this life worth having requires maintenance. My home, my car, my relationships. It all. It all requires a level of maintenance. In, my, in the things I have in, my, in the physical world, the laws of thermodynamics, the laws of entry brings everything spied around to a point of disorientation, of decay. Um, if, if we as a church family... Uh, were to stop taking tithes and offerings and take care of this place, this building a year from now would look awful. It'd look awful. So we mow the yard every week. We have to paint the hallways almost every week. That's, not, that's, that's, not, that's, Chris, that's not hardly an exaggeration. Every week all the corners are nipped and chipped and like it's just it's a non-stop never-ending task. Not only are we building a new parking lot, we're trying to maintain because of the entropy and the forces of the, th the laws of thermodynamics to keep the old ones in good repair. And the day we stop, well, they look like the road that I drive down to my house. But anyway, you get it? 
It is a, it's, it's life. And so that's why marriages need and deserve a great amount of positive capital. We must first, you know, think about this, okay? This is the way relationships start. Solitary and was in love. And uh, we met, we spent time together. All the time that we could. And uh, we wrote, back in those days, you know, we, we called on different kind of phones, but we called. We wrote notes, there was no text messaging. Um, we went on dates, we gave small token gifts, we went on walks, we spent lots of time together. In the absence of children, a mortgage, and multiple responsibilities, it was just the two of us. And we were free to invest in a great way. You know, then you have the honeymoon and all the adventure together, the excitement, the newness of life. And you know, this is wonderful. We're, we're still rotten, but at that point in our life, love is covering a multitude of sins. <laughs> and that's all it's doing. It's, they're being suppressed. Um, but, but in time, responsibilities multiply. For many children come. And they are a blessing, and they are other things too. <laughs> the stress, the strain of life presents itself, it's felt. And the deposits in the relationship begins to slow down. Now, can you relate to that? That's not evil, it's just life. It just begins to slow down. It came easy at the beginning, but now it's just getting, we have to be more deliberate about the deposits. Well, they're slowing down. The walks and talks grow far apart. Notes, texts, you know, date nights are often neglected, sometimes out of necessity, but it happens. And the ledger sheet that represents the health of my marriage begins to go into the red. Stresses cause fights and agitation. Familiarity can breed contempt. Actually, familiarity breeds uh, abuse, trust, taking each other for granted, disappointment, frustration, bitterness, and, and then contempt. And all of a sudden, the beautiful farm of my marriage no longer has the mowed yard, the healthy livestock, the well-covered fences, the productive trees that it once did. And it begins to languish. And that's the scene of Proverbs 24 in the physical world of a farm. But that happened only because, now listen, it, it grew into this desperate state not because of the absence of negatives, but because of the absence of positives. Does that make sense? Whenever has farming been easy? Have you ever knew a farmer? Like it always has taken the input. The farm next door that looks really nice, ton of work going into it. Same challenges that this farmer had. This guy just got, you know, stopped addressing them, but this guy did. His place looks immaculate. This guy's is a wreck. And the difference is, isn't the presence of a negative. It is the absence of a positive. Neglect grows larger than maintenance. And then thoughts were allowed to be seeded and germinate that weren't healthy and good. You know, if I had more time, I need to be done quickly. You know, I could talk to you about how to be a better person. 
kind of mitigate the, you know, the, the negative. But said this morning for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about increasing marital resiliency by working on more deposits. And in so doing, improving the quality and the happiness of your marriage or any relationship. So I, I preached this. I think I actually came back and preached on a Wednesday night um, here. But I, I preached this at a marriage conference. Um, I don't remember where we were at. Yes, I do. We were in California. I remember exactly now. I preached a series of things like this in California. And uh, the week before I, I went, just a few days before, I was going to go and be a blessing to this whole church. Turned out I got into a fight. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'd like to tell you that's a super, super rare event. But you know us, right? We're two spicy people. And... Uh, and so, you know, we, we've, we've had those. And, you know, there's Category 1 hurricanes and Category 5 hurricanes, and we've had everything in between. And this was a pretty close to a 5. This was a pretty good one. And I remember, I don't even know what the issue was, but we, 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 were, in a, we were in a doozy. We're, we're, we're clashing. And I hate to say this, but the sun went down on our wrath. We did not get a result. We were trying, but we, we did not. It was so bad that, um, and this has only happened maybe two or three times in our entire marriage, I elected to go sleep in another room. I was going to get her, you know. I thought she'd come, but she didn't. (laughs) But to encourage her, her house has different thermostats, I turned her room up to 95 degrees. I think that worked a little bit. So isn't the irony of this? Here we are, going to be a blessing. Um, you know, we're trying to do this for other people, and we're in the same struggle that Paul is and everybody else is. We, well, we often, we're not always what we want to be. We can't do what we want to. We do that when we shouldn't. Thank God for Jesus Christ and grace. You know, today I'm standing in a pulpit, and I'm telling this story, and I'm laughing about it. My marriage is a 9.9999. I love her dearly. We have a great relationship. Life is good. Next day, we appropriated grace. You know, went in the bedroom. I'm sorry, I'm a jerk. Yes, you are. Thank you. Okay. You know, it's, been, <laughs> it's been established and confirmed by many witnesses, you know. <laughs> I expressed to her that she was the best thing in my life. She embraced me back and kissed me. We apologized, forgave, and we pledged to have less scenarios like that. We did not resolve the issue, and I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't a big deal in the larger scope of life. See, it was a blip. It was a significant withdrawal, but in a deep bank account. The bank account of our relationship is rich, it is deep, it is expansive. And we make innumerable deposits. Because of God's grace, our, as of today, our relationship is resilient because of the positive, the commitments, the love, the willingness to apologize, forgive, and invest the way we have chosen to do, and trying to be an example to you and to our kids and to honor the Lord. Marriages go adrift, and people become roommates instead of life companions and co heirs of the grace of God.
joy and passion fires cease only because we don't keep them burning. And man, Brother Schmidt did an excellent job of communicating that. Living together in conflict um, is, is, is unavoidable. There's an old saying, good things cease. Not because they cease to be good, but because good men grow weary. Does that make sense? The reason some of these farms look so bad is maybe this guy got older and didn't have the energy anymore. There's, there's acceptable reasons for that. But God knows this about us in every avenue of our life. So he says this is in Galatians 6, 9. Hey, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Serving God in the church, in your marriage, as a friend, here in, in any application. Hey, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if, qualifier, if we what? Faint not, make deposits, continue to do things that mitigate the negativity of life. That makes things resilient. There's another saying you've heard this before. All required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Not do something, do nothing. Failure, failures of commission, of acts, out. Failures of commission often do not ruin relationships, friendships, or even churches. Fights don't ruin marriages. Lack of, you know, compatibility doesn't. Personality doesn't have to. Disagreements don't. Conflict doesn't. In terms of percentages, failures don't ruin marriages. Um, failures are usually just a symptom of a, of a different problem, a different root, and that is neglect. Not always, but sometimes. What ruins marriage is the lack of resiliency. The, the snapping back, the overcoming, making deposits of the bank account, and the love grows deeper and wider of that capital. I used this phrase before, PSO, positive sentiment override. All of our relationships need this. And I, I, we work hard as a staff to have positive sentiment override here in the church. Why did we just have Fall Festival Day? Positive sentiment override. What was Pumpkin Sunday about? Positive Sunday uh, override. What is Chili Supper about? Positive sentiment override. What we are doing is we are growing together as a church family. We're investing in fellowship. We're doing all these things because they are a strength and a resource to withdraw from. If one day this country falls apart and we need each other in a very special way, we're going to have the bank account to handle the, the withdrawals. And someone here is mean to somebody else. We make a mistake. Hey, we're resilient enough to get over it. We have grace in here. We work on it hard every Sunday, right? Okay, that's the idea. You need that in your life. In your marriage. It was positive sentiment override that allowed Terry and I to easily overcome that fight and move on. Our overall thoughts of each other in our marriage were otherwise positive, happy, good, productive. It's the time on the motorcycles, the time in the stand next to each other. It's, it's, it's the conversation we have. It's, it's, it's the things that we do that allow us to absorb that. We've tried to work to set a high set point. We are working really high to have a high set point here in the church. Love and affection need to far outweigh anything that's different than that. Where our treasure is, there will a heart be also. My marriage is a treasure. This place is a treasure. Your friendship should be a treasure. The youth department should be a treasure. And the balance of the equation of life, the good shall outweigh the bad. 
We need to have grace. Isaiah 59, 19 is beautiful. And when the enemy shall come like a flood, and man, it can sometimes. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. We should be able to be like that. You're really mean to me. You're mean to me. You're mean to me. A lot of, and all of a sudden, you know, this Lord gives me grace. And the standard is like, you know, I love you. I'm sorry. Let's do better. That's grace. That's what you need. Bible tells me God's grace is always sufficient, 2 Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for thee. 2 Corinthians 9, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, including this church, our marriages, and, wh and where you work, or whatever else, in all things, may abound to every good work. Laying up a store of good works. We can have these things with investment. Going back to Proverbs 24. The negative example is really just a call to positive contribution. Go back to work on the farm. Build up the wall again. Trim up the weeds. Get the livestock back where they belong. For us, in the neglect. In the neglect. Stop living with the status quo. Live differently. Start a regular maintenance schedule. Go on a date night. Stay in church. Work on your spiritual life. Go on a walk. Talk to each other. Start arguing about what you disagree on and focus on a new life together. Start doing some right things. Focus on things that are okay, not everything that's bad. Get your focus different. Read a book together. Tell your partner you love them every day. There's power in words. Compliment something about your spouse. Hug your wife in the kitchen for no reason. Compliment your husband. Do something fun and adventurous. We used to ride motorcycles, now we sit in a hunting stand together. And other stories, man. Touch and kiss when passing. Defer the next time you can. Attempt to do the things that you both enjoy. If you can't, find something different. I mean, this is biblical. James 4.17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him that is sin. Watch a movie. I like sci-fi. She likes period pieces, like the old stuff. So we come as we watch westerns. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens and cowboys. <laughs> okay, I just lost a spiritual moment. <laughs> hey, every one of you have a treasure here that's worth investing in. A lot of couples here. Not many treasures more important than that one. We have kids that go away fast. They grow up. Don't lose the opportunity to invest and spend time with them. Don't run in and out of this place so quickly. Let's build up some capital here. None of us know what's coming down the road. Something's coming. We don't know what it is. Um, perilous times will come. Hey, let's be ready. Let's have a great big bank account. Let's be ready. Keep, keep the grace in your heart, always growing, resilient. You know, it all starts with a relationship with God. So let's, let's maintain that. Let me ask you to stand this morning if you would.